ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله Verily the praise belongs to Allah We praise Him, seek His assistance and forgiveness and We seek refuge in Allah From the evil of ourselves and the evil consequences of our deeds Whoever Allah guides, there is no one that can lead him astray And whoever Allah leads astray, there is no one that can guide him I bear witness that nothing deserves to be worshipped except Allah alone And that He has no partners or associates I bear witness that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is his slave servant and his messenger. We'd like to begin this evening <coughs> uh, in the eighth lecture in our series concerning uh, from the book Sharh Taysir uh, Al-Alam, Sharh Umdat Al-Ahkam by Shaykh Abdullah ibn Abdurrahman Ali Bassam, Hafidhahullah the chapter entitled Bab Salat Al-Eidain the chapter concerning the prayer for the two Eids, the two celebrations. Due to the fact that uh, the Eid is upon us, I would like to cover the Hadith, all of them, inshallah, if possible, which are, which the Shaykh, the Imam Abdul Ghani, rahimahullah, has mentioned in this chapter, the prayer of the two Eids. For that reason, uh, we will leave off the review from the previous lecture and go directly into this chapter in which Shaykh Abdullah Ali Bassam Hafidhullah opens the chapter with an introduction concerning the Eid in which he mentions that Eid has been named with this particular name or it has been called by this name due to the fact that the celebration referred to by Eid is repetition, is repetitious and is repeated or recurring again and again and again. Yani every year at a certain time the Eid celebration takes place. And this is the literal meaning of Eid. It means something that is repeated or that reoccurs again and again and again. And the Eid or such the idea of having an Eid or celebration, a yearly celebration or a seasonally celebration, uh, seasonal celebration, it is something that has been established not only for the Muslims but even the old the nations of the past uh, also of the past as well as the present have yearly or seasonal celebrations that every time an important uh, occasion or event took place they used to remember it by having a celebration on that particular day yearly uh, or regularly in order to remind them of what had taken place. And on the day of the Eid, the celebration day, the day of festival, all types of uh, any expressions of joy and happiness are seen amongst the people. But due to the fact that the Eid celebration of the non-Muslims, due to the fact that their Eid was made up by themselves, therefore we see that it appears to be a purely materialistic celebration with no spiritual aspect whereas Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has granted to the ummah of Muhammad وسلم, the Eid al-Fitr and the Eid al-Adha or as he mentions it here Eid al-Nahr which refers to the Eid al-Adha the day of sacrifice the 10th of Dhul Hijjah Allah has given us that day in which we are allowed to partake of and to enjoy all of those things that are lawful as well as to get near to Allah by those acts of worship or ta'at as an expression of our thankfulness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the favors that He has given to us and making easy for us the fast of Ramadan on the occasion of Eid al-Fitr and asking that Allah accept it and also for making easy for us the performance of the rites of pilgrimage and other acts of obedience such as the sacrifice that we make on Eid al-Adha Yani, on the day of Eid, not only are we allowed to enjoy ourselves from the lawful things, but also there is an expression of thankful, thankfulness or gratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
for those acts of worship which he has allowed us to complete such as the fast of Ramadan or the performance of the pilgrimage to Mecca or the sacrifice on the day of Eid al-Adha for those who are not performing Hajj Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has legislated in these gatherings on the celebration of Eid al-Adha and Eid al-Fitr that there is a Salat for the people to perform and on that occasion the people come together and they make acquaintances and they strengthen their relations with one another and they congratulate one another expressing their love and friendship amongst the Muslims. These Islamic gatherings have achieved many benefits worldly as well as religious benefits and these are an indication of the greatness of the Islamic way of life which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed to the prophets for the benefit or the happiness uh, of humanity. Al-Imam Ibn Qayyim rahimahullah has mentioned concerning the Eid a number of points which the Shaykh has summarized here uh, saying that the, that the two Eids they were prayed or performed the prayer was performed by the Prophet in the Musalla yani it was always performed outside of the Masjid in an open land uh, except on the, one occasion when it was this one just take one except on one occasion when it was performed take one, take one for yourself when it was performed in the Masjid due to rain otherwise it was the practice of the Prophet always to perform the two Eid prayers in the Musalla ground, in the prayer ground right outside of the center of the city yani away from the middle of the city and he used to on the day of Eid wear the, most, the best of clothing beautiful and attractive clothing uh, and he used to eat some food particularly dates, art number of dates before going out for the Eid al-Fitr whereas for the Eid al-Adha he didn't eat until he returned from the Musalla and he performed his sacrifice and ate from that sacrificial animal. He also mentions that he used to make a ghusl for the two Eids before going out and he used to go to the Eid ground walking. And when he reached the Eid ground he used to perform the prayer first with no adhan and no iqama and without saying as-salatu jami'ah and which is a common saying amongst the people today instead of adhan or iqama they say as-salatu jami'ah and everyone get up and get ready for the congregational prayer but there is no proof for such in the sunnah that the Prophet said such words or that he made any adhan or iqama but he immediately performed the prayer uh, then when he completed the prayer he used to stand in front of the people while they were still sitting in their places and he used to uh, talk to them encouraging them to doing good and forbidding them from doing wrong and giving any instructions that were necessary and he used to begin his khutbah with praise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also Imam Ibn Qayyim mentions uh, or the Shaykh has summarized from the saying of Ibn Qayyim that it is, it is, there is a permission for those who have attended the Eid prayer that they may be absent uh, or, or for those who attend the Eid prayer that they may sit for the khutbah or they may excuse themselves and return to their homes and if they attended the prayer it's not mandatory for them to attend the khutbah they may sit for the khutbah or they may leave and when he used to return from the Eid ground to his home he used to uh, go by a different way than the way he came and he came by one route and he used to return by a different way then the Shaykh says that Imam Ibn Daqiq al-Eid says that there is no difference of opinion concerning the prayers of Eid that they are of the signs or symbols or expressions that have been legislated in the Sharia and it is expected that the Muslims participate in them and it has been reported by mutawatir yani by uh, innumerable reports uh, that the Salat al-Eid both of them such that there is no excuse for anyone to claim that they don't know about the uh, yani the responsibilities of Muslims to attend them and then he says that the first Salat of Eid which the Prophet ﷺ performed it was Salat Eid al-Fitr Eid al-Fitr was the first prayer of Eid that the Prophet ﷺ performed and that was in the second year of the Hijrah this is the introduction uh, 
and the hadith in this chapter are five, bismillah ta'ala, we will try if possible to cover them. The first hadith is hadith number 138, <coughs> the hadith of Abdullah ibn Umar radiallahu anhumah, qal, kana nabiyyu sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, wa abu bakr, wa umar yusalluna al-eidaini qabla al-khutbah. This hadith is reported by al-Bukhari al-Muslim and al-Nasai and al-Tirmidhi. Abdullah ibn Umar radiallahu anhu said that the Messenger of Allah, the Prophet as well as Abu Bakr and Umar used to pray the two Eid prayers before the khutbah. Yani they used to perform the prayer on Eid al-Fitr as well as Eid al-Atha. They used to perform the prayer before the khutbah. The general meaning of the hadith, the Shaykh Abdullah Ali Bassam, Hafidhullah says, the general meaning of this hadith is that it was from the habit or the custom of the Prophet ﷺ as well as the rightly guided Khalifas that they used to lead the people in prayer, the Salat al-Eid prayer, they used to perform it both the Eid al-Fitr as well as the Eid al-Adha and they used to give the khutbah afterwards, yani they used to precede the khutbah with the Salat the khutbah, uh, I mean they used to precede the khutbah with the Salat meaning that the Salat would be performed first and then after that, the khutbah is given as opposed to what is done in the Salat of Jummah. The khutbah is given first and then the Salat. And Eid, the Salat is first. And then the khutbah. Uh, this is the first hadith. And it will be discussed, its meaning and the ahkam from it will be discussed along with the second hadith which is similar to it. The second hadith is hadith number 139. The hadith of Al-Bara ibn Azib radiallahu anhuma, may Allah be pleased with him and his father. He said, Khatabana al-Nabiyya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam yawm al-adha ba'da as-salat. That the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam gave the khutbah on the day of yawm al-adha, Eid al-adha, in the days of Hajj, after the salat. Yani the salat was performed first and then the khutbah. Faqala, and then he said in his khutbah, Man salla salatana وَنَسَكَ نُسُكَنَا فَقَدْ أَصَابَ النُسُكَ That whoever has performed this prayer of ours as we have performed it and who have made the sacrifice of ours as we have performed it and that person has indeed achieved the نُسُكَ they Their sacrifice would be accepted. That means that the person should have performed the prayer first and then after that they should have made the sacrifice and then their sacrifice would be accepted. وَمَنْ نَسَكَ and whoever made their sacrifice before the salat, then there is no sacrifice for that person. That means their sacrifice is not accepted as the sacrifice of evil adha, because its time is after the salat. Whoever did it before did it out of his time, and therefore it wouldn't be accepted as the sacrifice of evil adha. فَقَالَ أَبُو بُرْدَى إِبْنِ and he was one of the companions of the Prophet ﷺ who attended the Battle of Badr. And he died in Medina uh, in the year 41 or 45. Uh, Abu Burda, when he heard these words of the Prophet ﷺ, and he was the uh, brother of Al-Bara ibn Azib's mother. He was the brother of his mother. Yani his uncle from his mother's side. Abu Burda was the uncle of Al-Bara who was narrating the hadith. When Abu Burda heard these words of the Prophet in the khutbah explaining the rules or the regulations concerning the sacrifice of Eid al-Adha, uh, Abu Burda said, Ya Rasulullah, inni nasaktu shati qabla salat I have sacrificed my animal before the salat. And he just came to know this. So he was surprised. He, he is now asking for a ruling. I have made my sacrifice before the salat. وَعَرَفْتُ أَنَّ الْيَوْمُ يَوْمُ أَكْلٍ وَشُرْبٍ وَأَحْبَبْتُ He said, uh, O Messenger of Allah, verily I have, I have made my sacrifice before the Salat وَعَرَفْتُ أَنَّ الْيَوْمُ يَوْمُ أَكْلٍ وَشُرْبٍ وَأَحْبَبْتُ أَنْ تَكُونَ شَاتِي أَوَّلَ مَا يُذْبَحْ فِي بَيْتِي He said, I know that today is a day of eating and drinking, yani a day of celebration, day of Eid. And I preferred, or I loved, or I liked that my animal, that it would be the first thing slaughtered in my house on this day. فَذَبَحْتُ شَاتِي وَتَغَدَّيْتُ قَبْلَ أَنْ آتِي الصَّلَاةِ So I sacrificed or slaughtered my animal 
my uh, sacrifice and then we ate we took our meal eating from that animal before coming to the prayer all shatuka shatu lahm the prophet sallallahu responded to him telling him that your animal is merely an animal that has been slaughtered for eating and it, it is it's not acceptable as the sacrifice for the eid so he said ya rasulullah fa inna indana anaqan lana jaza then he said, Oh Messenger of Allah, verily we have a, she, uh, uh, a young she-goat. Jaza'a uh, means one that is less than a year. It hasn't reached a year yet. He said, we have this young she-goat and that she-goat is more beloved to me than two sheep. So, will it be sufficient? Yani, will it, would it be accepted if I make a sacrifice of this animal? Would it be accepted as the sacrifice for the Eid al-Adha? All the Messenger of Allah sallallahu said, "Naam." Walan tajzi an ahadin ba'dak. He said, "Yes, it will be accepted as a sacrifice for you, but it will not be acceptable as a sacrifice for anyone after you." Yani, the animal that sacrifice, uh, such as goats of that size animal, it should be. It should have at least reached one year old. It shouldn't be one, well, less, less than one year. But the Prophet made an exception for him and said that it will be accepted for you, but it won't be accepted for anyone after you. The Shaykh says that the gentleman of this hadith is that the Prophet gave the khutbah to the people on the day of Eid al-Adha after performing the salat. Then he began to explain the rules, the ahkam, the rules and laws and guidelines concerning the sacrifice that the people should make on that day after the khutbah he explained what time it should be done in on that day and then he mentioned to them the fact that whoever prayed this prayer like our prayer and then made the sacrifice as we have made our sacrifice then these two are in accordance with the guidance of the Prophet and their sacrifice would be accepted as a legally acceptable sacrifice for Eid al-Adha as for the one who made his sacrifice before the Salat al-Eid, uh, then that person has made the sacrifice before the time of sacrifice. And they have made it before its due time. Therefore the animal will be considered as an animal that has been slaughtered for eating. But it will not be accepted as an acceptable legal offering for the sacrifice of Eid al-Adha. When Abu Burda radiallahu anhu heard this, in the khutbah of the Prophet ﷺ, he asked, O Messenger of Allah, I have already made my sacrifice before the Salat, knowing that it was the day of eating and drinking or the day of Eid, and I love that my animal should be the first thing that we slaughtered in our house, so I slaughtered it and we ate from it before coming to the Salat. The Prophet ﷺ responded to him saying that it has not been accepted as the sacrifice, uh, as the sacrifice of Eid al-Adha as an act of ibadah, but it is merely the slaughtering of an animal for eating, for food. Then he said, O oh, Messenger of Allah, verily I have another animal in my house which we have raised in the house, a, a young she-goat, and it is more precious to me. It is more precious to me than even two other of the full, yeah, one-year-old sheep or goats. Will it be accepted as sufficient for my sacrifice for me as an act of obedience to Allah and a sacrifice? And the Prophet ﷺ said, yes, it will be accepted but this is a ruling or a judgment that is specifically for you alone as opposed to the rest of the Muslims and it will not sacrifice, it will not uh, be sufficient as a sacrifice yani the animal that hasn't reached one year of age will not be accepted as a sacrifice for, for anyone other than you or after you the shaykh mentions here from this hadith eight rulings or ahkam the first of them is that the salat should be performed before the khutbah on the day of Salat Eid, on the day of Eid. And that this is the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, that the salat is performed first and then the khutbah. The second, that whoever has attended the salat and the dhikr, meaning the khutbah, then they sacrifice after the salat, then that person has achieved the sunnah and they have indeed followed the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Number three, 
that the attendant of the Salat, the person who attends the Salat Eid, the attendance at the Salat is a sign of the acceptance of their sacrifice. Yani their attendance at the Eid ground and participation in the Salat is one of the signs of the acceptance of their sacrifice. Uh, and this is understood from the saying of the Prophet that whoever prayed this prayer with us and then sacrificed their sacrifice as we have done and that person has in, indeed achieved correctly the correct sacrifice and they have, their sacrifice would be accepted as for the one who makes their sacrifice before the salat then that sacrifice is not accepted and it doesn't fulfill the obligation of performing a sacrifice on that day the day of Eid al-Adha and this is understood from the saying of the Prophet Sallallahu That whoever has made his sacrifice before the Salat, then there is no sacrifice for him. Meaning that it's not accepted as the sacrifice for that day. Number four, that the time of the sacrifice begins with the ending of the performance of the Salat. Yani the time that the sacrifice is allowed to be made is after the salat has been performed, after the salat is completed. Al-Imam Ibn Daqiq al-Aid rahimahullah says that there is no doubt that the apparent meaning of this hadith, the wording, the apparent meaning of the wording of this hadith is that uh, what is intended here is the performance of the salat and, and it is not intended to mean here the time of the salat. Yani that what is considered here is the time of the Salat, what time is the Salat normally to be performed, but what is considered here is that the Salat has actually been performed. And if the prayer is normally performed, for example, at 6 o'clock in the morning, then you can't say, at 6.30 I'll make my sacrifice, because the time of the prayer is 6, so the time of the prayer is finished, now I'll make my sacrifice. But actually the sacrifice is not allowed to be performed until after the Salat has been performed. If the Salat is delayed, then the sacrifice also is delayed until after the completion of the Salat. So the hadith has indicated here in its actual wording uh, that what is considered is the salat. What is considered is the salat. Not anything else, the khutbah, any other matter. But what here, what is to be looked at is the salat itself. So whoever made their sacrifice before the salat, then it's not accepted even if they did so out of ignorance of the time of the performance of the sacrifice. Yani even if the person performed it early due to the fact that they didn't know the time. Well, Abu Burda عنه, didn't know the time and he did it out of ignorance but still that wasn't an excuse and the Prophet ﷺ told him make a, that that sacrifice is not accepted the one that was done before the Salat so even in this case the fact of the person being ignorant of the rules is not an excuse and therefore this is a reminder to us of the importance that the Muslims should know the rules and the laws the regulations governing ibadah because not every ignorance of a matter not every time a person is ignorant of a matter, not every time is that to be considered as an excuse. Number five, that the day of Eid is the day of happiness and joy, and the day of eating and drinking. So if anyone yeah, and he expresses their happiness and joy and eating and drinking on the day of the Eid, with the intention that it is an expression of Eid, then that happiness and joy and eating and drinking will be an act of ibadah. Yani on the day of Eid, the people who have fun and celebrate and eat and drink with the intention that they are doing it as a part of the Islamic manifestation of the Islamic celebration of Eid, then that fun and that joy and happiness and eating and drinking will be considered as an act of ibadah because the celebration on the Eid is an act of ibadah. So whoever celebrates on that day, doing it yani under the guidelines of the Sharia and doing it with the intention that it is the day of celebration that has been legislated by Allah then they would be given reward as though they are doing an act of ibadah and this is based on the hadith of the Prophet narrated by Umar ibn Khattab إِنَّمَا الْأَعْمَالُ بِالنِّيَاتِ that verily actions are judged by intentions other people who may be celebrating on that day from amongst the non-Muslims or even the Muslims who are not religious who may be just celebrating because it's an opportunity to have a party then there is no reward for them some of the non-Muslims participate in the celebration of the Muslims just as the Muslims participate in their celebrations uh, and therefore there is no reward for the person who does so unless their celebrating is with the intention that is part of the, that which has been legislated by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala.
Number six, uh, the animal which hasn't reached or hasn't completed one year is not acceptable as a hadi, hadi, yani for the person going to hajj, or abahi, the person who is sacrificing on the day of Eid, even if they are not going to hajj. That sacrifice for the one who is in hajj, or, as, or the one who is not in hajj, is not accepted, except that the animal has reached one year old. This is one of the conditions for the animal that can be used for sacrifice. Number seven, that the Prophet ﷺ has singled out Abu Burda radiallahu anhu in allowing that his animal, which hadn't yet reached one year of age, that it would be acceptable as a sacrifice. This was a special ruling that the Prophet ﷺ made for Abu Burda radiallahu anhu, and it is not for anyone else from the Muslim Ummah other than him. Number eight, Imam Ibn Daqiq al-Eid, in his sharh of this hadith, in his explanation of Umdat al-Ahkam, he says, Rahimahullah, and this is an indication, and this is a very important point, a very important principle, he said, in this hadith is a proof that al-ma'murat, that the things which we are commanded to do, as opposed to the manhiyat, the things which we are forbidden from, the mahmurat, the things which we are commanded to do, if they are done in a way that is in contradiction or in conflict with the indications of the command in the sharia, then even the, the person's ignorance of the, of the Islamic legislation in that matter is not an excuse for them. This means that of those things which we have been commanded to do, if a person does it in a way contrary to the way it has been legislated to be done, as Abu Burda, he made his sacrifice contrary to the way it was supposed to be done, he made it in the wrong time. Of the things that we are commanded to do, if you do them contrary to the way that we have been commanded to do, then even the fact that you are ignorant of the rules concerning it, it is not an excuse. It is not an excuse. Ignorance of the legislated way in things that we are commanded to do is not an excuse. Whereas, the person might be excused due to ignorance in those things which we have been prohibited from. Yani things that we are prohibited from, if a person didn't know about it, his ignorance of it may be an excuse for him. He, will be, he may be excused from it. As the Prophet ﷺ said that my ummah, that verily Allah has overlooked from my ummah their mistakes and their forgetfulness and that which they have been compelled to do. And this is, this hadith should be understood based on this principle to refer to those things which the people did out of forgetfulness of the prohibited things. But as for the things that we are ordered to do, the things we are commanded to do, ignorance is not an excuse, but it would be yani, invalidated if it is done outside of the legislated way. Imam Muhammad ibn Ali al-San'ani, rahimahullah, who made the explanation, uh, the book entitled Subh al-Salam, says, that this hadith indicates that the command of, or, or yani that this principle has been indicated also in the Prophet ﷺ ordering the man who, who failed to perform his prayer properly, al Musifi Salati, the one who didn't perform his prayer well, the Prophet ﷺ ordered him to return and repeat the prayer. Though that man said, I don't know how to pray any, any better than this, this is the best I know how to do. This, this, is an, another, this hadith is also an indication that the things we are ordered to do, if they are not done properly, then they are not accepted. Whereas the things we are prohibited from, if a person falls into error due to ignorance or forgetfulness or otherwise, then they may be excused due to their ignorance or, forgetful, or forget, forgetfulness or being compelled to do it. As for the things that we are ordered to do, they must be done in the legally legislated Sharia way, according to the Sunnah. Otherwise, ignorance of how, what the rules are concerning it, is not an excuse. The fact that the Prophet ordered that man to repeat his prayer and the fact that the Prophet ordered Abu Burda to repeat his sacrifice is an indication that the things which we are commanded to do must be done in the proper way. Otherwise, ignorance of the proper way is not an excuse and the person has to repeat what they have done wrong. This is a qaida, nafia, or a beneficial principle, says the Shaykh here in his comment. And this is a very important and beneficial principle, the distinction between the excuse for a person due to ignorance and those things which we are commanded to, be, commanded to do as opposed to those things which we are prohibited from. Ignorance is an excuse in falling into something uh, that is prohibited, but it, it will not be an excuse in, in uh, performing an act which we have been commanded wrongly. The next hadith, hadith number 140, the hadith of Jundub, 
Ibn Abdullah Al-Bajali radiallahu anhuma, may Allah be pleased with him and his father, he said, Salla Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam yawm al-nahr, that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam performed the prayer on the day of Nahr, the day of sacrifice, the 10th of Dhul Hijjah, the day of Eid al-Adha. He performed the prayer, thumma khataba, then he made the khutbah, thumma zabaha, then he made the sacrifice. And in this order, that he made the prayer first, then the khutbah, and then the sacrifice. He goes on to say, وَقَالَ And this is what he said, yani part of what he said in his khutbah, he said, مَنْ ذَبَحَ قَبْلَ أَنْ that whoever has made a sacrifice before he has performed the prayer, not before the time of the prayer, but before he has completed the performance of the prayer. Whoever made his sacrifice before completing the performance of the prayer, then he must fal yazbah lam al amr. This lam in this word fal yazbah, the lam means it is a command. Fal yazbah. Then he must make another sacrifice, sacrifice in the place of that one which he did out of its time. وَمَنْ لَمْ يَذْبَحْ And whoever has not made the sacrifice فَلْيَذْبَحْ Then he must sacrifice Bismillah In the name of Allah يعني mentioning the name of Allah As reported in another narration That whoever hasn't made his sacrifice فَلْيَذْبَحْ عَلَى إِسْمِ اللَّهِ يعني mentioning the name of Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala Saying Bismillah uh, The Shaykh says that in this hadith The general meaning is that the Prophet ﷺ On Yawm Nahr on the day of sacrifice, the 10th of Dhul Hijjah, the day of Eid al-Adha, that he began with the Salat. Then the Khutbah, then the third thing is the sacrifice. And he said in his Khutbah, making clear the rules concerning the sacrifice, that whoever made the sacrifice before he has prayed, yet before he has performed the prayer, then his sacrifice is not accepted as the legally required sacrifice on Eid al-Adha. He must make another sacrifice in his place, and whoever has not made the sacrifice, then he should make his sacrifice mentioning the name of Allah. And this indicates that what is legislated is this particular order. يعني, that the prayer and then the khutbah and then the sacrifice should be done. Here the shaykh says that this hadith, hadith number 140, it is more clear and a more clear proof or indication than the hadith before it, hadith number 139, in, rela- in, in uh, relation to the fact that the time, the beginning of the time of the sacrifice is the end of the performance of the salat. Yani in the previous hadith, number 135, 139, the Prophet said, That whoever has made a sacrifice before the prayer, there is no sacrifice for him. That might be understood to mean salat. It may mean before the time of salat. But in this hadith, number 140, the word is more clear. He said, مَنْ ذَبَحَ قَبْلَ أَنْ يعني Whoever made a sacrifice before he has performed his prayer, before he has performed the prayer, then that person should make another sacrifice in his place. So the shaykh says that this hadith, though both of them, the meaning of, this, of them are the same, but the one, the, the one we are looking at now is more clear in its indication that what is to be considered for the beginning of the time of the sacrifice is that the prayer has to have been performed. Not looking at the time of the prayer, but looking at the actual completion of the performance of the prayer. And he says here that it is not as in the madhab of Al-Imam Shafi'i that what is considered is the time of the Salat. Yani the time of the Salat is not to be considered. Nor the sacrifice of the Imam as in the madhab of Al-Imam Malik rahimahumullah. What, to be, what is to be considered here is the performance of the Salat itself, not the time of the Salat, nor the sacrifice of the Imam. Yani in the Madhab of Imam Malik, the time for the beginning of the sacrifice is when the Imam, the Imam of the Muslim, make his sacrifice. Then the people may make their sacrifice. And according to the Madhab of Imam Shafi, rahimahullah, it is the time of the Salat. Once the time of the Salat came, then the people may make their sacrifice. But the correct opinion is the opinion of the Hanafi and the Hanbali Madhab, that is, that the prayer itself should have been completed. Also, this hadith indicates that it is legislated in the Sharia to mention the name of Allah at the time of making the sacrifice. Briefly, the Shaykh mentions there is a difference of opinion here concerning whether or not the adhiyah or the sacrifice on Eid al-Adha 
whether or not it is wajib or if it is sunnah mu'akkada. And he says, just briefly, that Al-Imam Abu Hanifa and Al-Imam Malik and Al-Imam Sufyan Thawri, rahimahumullah, may Allah have mercy on all of them, held the opinion that the sacrifice on Eid al-Adha, it is wajib for whoever is able to do so. Yani everyone who has the means, it's obligatory on them to do so. And this is based on the saying of Allah. Yani their proof for this opinion is the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. فَصَلِّي لِرَبِّكَ وَنْحَى فَصَلِّي يعني, Then you are ordered to pray to your Lord وَنْحَى And you are ordered to make a sacrifice نَحَى Therefore they said based on this ayat It is a command وَنْحَى And the command indicates obligation الْأَمْرَ يَقْتَدِي الْوُجُوبِ Whenever there is a command in the Quran and Sunnah It indicates obligation Therefore they said Based on this ayat The sacrifice on Eid al-Adha is obligatory This is the opinion of Imam Abu Hanifa Imam Malik and Imam Sufyan al-Thawri rahimahumullah. However, the majority opinion, the Jamhur held the opinion that the sacrifice in Eid al-Adha is sunnah mu'akkada. It is a definitely confirmed sunnah. Yani a sunnah that the Prophet ﷺ never left off. The sunnah mu'akkada means the sunnah that he never abandoned. This is the opinion of the majority. In any case, the Shaykh says that the preferable thing and what is expected of the believer is that whoever has the ability to make that sacrifice should not leave it off. Yeah, I mean, no one should voluntarily avoid performing the sacrifice, but whoever is able should perform it. Uh, because the Prophet has said, من كان له سعى ولم يدحي فلا مصلانا. That whoever has the means and he doesn't make the sacrifice, then don't come near our place of prayer. Actually, I neglected to check this hadith, but it seems as though in my memory that this hadith is not authentic. In any case, uh, we should check this hadith to be sure about it, um, whether or not it is authentic, but somehow in my mind it seems as though I read that this hadith is not sahih. Unfortunately, I, I neglected to check it today. Uh, in any case, we'll check it in the future just to confirm. Uh, even without that hadith, the fact that the Prophet ﷺ never left off the performance of the sacrifice on Eid al-Adha, it is sufficient for us to also perform it for whoever has the means or ability to do so. Hadith number 141, the hadith of Jabir radiallahu anhuma, Jabir ibn Abdullah radiallahu anhuma, may Allah be pleased with him and his father, he said, shahidtu ma'a rasulillahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallama as-salat. The word salat is not in the text of the book, Umdat al-Ahkam, but this narration came from Sahih Muslim, and in the original text in Sahih Muslim, the word salat is included there. So I have included it as it was in the Sahih of Muslim, that he said, Shahidtu ma'a Rasulillahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam as-salat. That I had attended with the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the prayer, Yawm al-Eid, on the day of Eid. فَبَدَأَ بِالصَّلَاةِ قَبْلَ الْخُطْبَةِ he began with the salat before the khutbah. Bila adhanin wala iqamatin. Without making any adhan, no iqamah. And he began with the salat before the khutbah and he didn't make any adhan or iqamah for that salat. Thumma qama mutawakkian ala Bilal. Then he stood up seeking assistance or support from Bilal radiallahu anhu and he began to give his khutbah. And in that khutbah he said, فَأَمَرَ بِالتَّقْوَى اللَّهِ That he ordered the people with taqwa to have consciousness of fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala وَحَثَّ عَلَى طَاعَتِهِ And he encouraged them to obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala وَوَعَذَ النَّاسِ And he gave them warnings يعني, and encouragement for preaching to the people giving them words of encouragement and warning وَذَكَّرَهُمْ And he also reminded them يعني, of the jannah and the hellfire reminding them of the reward of Allah and the punishment of Allah then he went on, walked on from the place where he was giving the khutbah until he reached the place where the women were. The women were in a separate place, just as is legislated in general Islam, that the women are always separated from the men. Even in the masjid, the women are in the last rows and the men are in the first rows. And also on the Eid ground, even though it's not in the masjid, the women are, in, are, are separate from the men. So the Prophet ﷺ went on till he reached the women. فَوَعَذَهُنَّ And he also preached to them or gave them warnings 
uh, an encouragement, yani warning from doing evil and encouragement to do good. وَذَكَّرَهُنَّ And he also reminded them, giving them reminders, or reminders of the reward of Allah's paradise and the punishment of the hellfire. فَقَالَ And from amongst what he said to them, from, from amongst the specific words that he mentioned to them in his khutbah to the women, يَا مَعَشَرَ النِّسَاءِ O women, تَصَدَّقْنَا فَإِنَّ كُنَّ أَكْثَرُ حَطَبِ جَهَنَّمِ That you should give charity. Give charity. He ordered them to. Give charity for verily you will be most of the fuel of the hellfire. Yani most of the fuel of the hellfire will be, it will be from men and stones. Yani people and stones from amongst the people, most of the fuel from amongst the people will be from women. فَقَامَتْ إِمْرَأَةٌ مِنْ فِتَعْتِ النِّسَاءِ سَفَعَ الْخَدَّيْنِ A woman stood up from, from the middle of the, from amongst the women. She stood up, a woman having a mold or a dark mark on her cheeks, and she said, لِمَا يَا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ Why is it so? يعني why is it? يعني not, she didn't argue with the Prophet وسلم, saying, what are you talking about? Who are you to say that the women are going to be the most of the fuel of the hellfire? As some of the ignorant from amongst Muslims and non-Muslims would say, but she said, she, she didn't argue, but she asked the Prophet وسلم, just explain to us why, so that perhaps we can avoid it. She said, why is it so? What is the reason for it? If, if it is so, then there must be a reason, and we should know the reason so that we can protect ourselves from it. She said, Lima ya Rasulullah, the Prophet said, لِأَنَّ كُنَّ تُكْثِرْنَا الشَّكَاتَ وَتَكْفُرْنَا الْعَشِيرَةِ It is because you argue or dispute or complain too much, and because you are uh, ungrateful and unthankful for that which is given to you of good from your husbands. Yani these are two of the reasons that the Prophet ﷺ mentioned, the primary reasons why the women, why many of the women would be in the hellfire. And of course many men are going to be in the hellfire too. But in this particular case he was addressing the women. So he mentioned that which was applicable to the women. And he said to them that the reason for it would be to their, would be to their constant complaining and their ingratitude to their husbands. Yani because they denied and didn't admit or recognize what good had been done to them by their husbands, showing ingratitude. And as some of the other reports mentioned, it is mentioned that, uh, that some women, no matter how much good her husband did for her, when he did one thing she didn't like, she would claim that he hasn't ever done anything good. This is one of the evil characteristics that is not expected from the believing women Yani those who really have Iman and fear of Allah and love for the Qur'an and the Sunnah, then we don't expect that that characteristic would be, would be amongst these women. But it would be from amongst those women whose Iman is weak and whose love for the Deen and love for Allah and the Messenger of Allah is less than that. Then the narrator, Jabir radiallahu anhuma said, فَجَعَلْنَا يَتَصَدَّقْنَا مِنْ حُلِيِّهِنَّ then they, that is the women, began to give charity from their jewelry. Yulqina fi thawbi Bilalin and they were throwing into the cloth of Bilal min akratihinna from the earrings that they were wearing on their ears wa hinna and from the rings that they were wearing on their fingers. This hadith has been reported by Al-Bukhari Muslim but the wording here, the exact wording that the author mentions in Umdat Al-Ahkam it is the wording that is found in the Sahih of Muslim. And the word in Sahih al-Bukhari is a little different, but the exact wording, as we have mentioned here, is from the Sahih of Muslim. The Shaykh mentions the general meaning of this hadith, that the Prophet ﷺ led his companions in the prayer, Salat al-Eid, without adhan and without iqama, and when he had finished from the Salat, he gave the khutbah, ordering them with taqwa to obey the commands of Allah, and to avoid the prohibitions of Allah, and to be to adhere to obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in secret as well as in open and he reminded them of the threat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the promise of Allah of the hellfire and the paradise uh, in order to encourage them with fear as well as encouragement yani fear of the hellfire and encouragement of the paradise uh, and due to the fact that the women were in a separate place from the men where they couldn't hear the khutbah of the Prophet 
And since he was very concerned about all of the Muslims, young and old, men and women, uh, and he was compassionate and he was considerate of them to the extent that when he knew the women were far away and perhaps didn't hear the khutbah, he went out of his way to go to the place of the women and along with him was Bilal radiallahu anhu uh, who attended to the Prophet while he spoke to the women. The Prophet also gave the khutbah, a speech to the women in which he encouraged them in the doing of good and warned them against evil and reminded them of Allah's reward and punishment. And he specifically mentioned something extra for the women and he made clear to them in those words that they would be most of the people of hellfire. Not only that, but he also made clear to them that the way to be saved from that, yani the women who could save themselves from that, one of the ways to do so would be by giving of sadaqah. And one of the ways to avoid the hellfire would, would be by giving of sadaqah. So when he told them that, he encouraged them to give sadaqah so that it would be a key or a way or a means that they could uh, extinguish the anger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and avoid Allah's punishment. At that time, a woman from amongst, sitting amongst from the middle of the women stood up and she asked him, what is the reason why most of the people, yani, that they would be most of the people of the hellfire, uh, so that yani, they could avoid that thing and avoid being most of the people of the hellfire or avoid be, from being from amongst those who would be most of the people of hellfire. Uh, the good that was done to them by their husbands uh, or those who did good to them um, even other than their husbands then he said uh, due to the fact that the women from amongst the companions of the Prophet ﷺ, the women companions of the Prophet ﷺ, since they were the foremost in doing good they hastened to that which was good and they tried to remain far from that which angered Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala they immediately began to give charity from whatever they possessed of their jewelry that they wore in their hands or that they had uh, on their ears and so on they threw it into the cloth being held by Bilal radiallahu anhu out of love of earning the pleasure of Allah and seeking that reward which Allah has in store for those who do good you haven't finished yet already questions uh, from this hadith the shaykh mentions 16 rulings 16 rulings the first of them that the salat of Eid is what the Imam should start with before the khutbah the second of them that for the salat of Eid there is no adhan or iqama the third of them is that it is mustahab for the Imam to stand or perhaps according to some of the scholars it's wajib as long as he is able number four that in the khutbah the khatib should order the people to have taqwa and that taqwa is a comprehensive word which includes fulfilling the commands of Allah and avoiding the prohibitions of Allah and it is a general, general comprehensive word including fulfilling whatever Allah has commanded and avoiding what he has prohibited and then after ordering the people with taqwa he should mention some details related to the instructions that the people are in need of on that particular occasion number five uh, that the people should be reminded of sticking to taqwa of obedience to Allah they should be reminded of the, re of the threat and, the, uh, and the, the threat of punishment and the promise of reward from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that these particular things, these items which have been mentioned in the hadith some of the scholars held that these things are the things that are the important aspects of the khutbah that, should, that, that must be included and these are basic principles that should be included in the khutbah uh,
some of the scholars said that these are the arkan or the pillars of the khutbah that are obligatory to be mentioned and some scholars said uh, that it should include praise of Allah it should include prayers on the Prophet ﷺ it should include also the advising the people with taqwa and it should also include some verses of Qur'an and the khutbah should also include some verses of Qur'an as well as supplicating for the believers and praising of Allah prayers on the Prophet ordering the people with taqwa mentioning of something from the Qur'an and supplication for the believers number six he said that the women may also be singled out with a special khutbah or speech if they are far away and cannot hear the general speech that is given on the Eid or they may be singled out for a special speech if there are some particular things that are particularly related to women then a special yani, talk may also be given for the women dealing with those things that are peculiar to them number seven he says this hadith is an indication that in the time of the Prophet ﷺ, the women used to go out for the Salat al-Eid as opposed to the times we are living in now in many of the Arab countries and perhaps in other places where the women are discouraged from going out or in some places are prohibited from going out and in many places there's no place for them if they go out but in the time of the Prophet ﷺ, the women used to go out for the Salat al-Eid in fact they were ordered to do so uh, as we will see in the coming hadith also number eight that the women should separate from the men and not mix with the men in the masjids or in other places and if, if they are not mixing with the men in the Eid ground so also it is applicable to other places masjids and otherwise and also in this hadith in this hadith is an indication that the women would be most of the people who would enter the fire and the reason for do, doing so would be their constant complaining and their denial or ingratitude of the favors of their husbands and those who did good to them number ten uh, evil speech and ingratitude to the, for the good that someone has done to you is a reason for entering the hellfire yani anyone who is ungrateful to those who do good to them women or otherwise it will be a reason or a cause for them to be punished in the hellfire ingratitude for the good that anyone does to you also number 11 that as sadaqah charity is one of the reasons or one of the causes to be saved from the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala number 12 that the women from amongst the companions of the Prophet were allowed to speak to the Prophet in those things that concern them they were allowed to address him directly number 13 in this hadith is an indication of the fiqh or the understanding of the women companions radiallahu anhunna may Allah be pleased with all of them their understanding and fiqh in the deen was displayed in the words of that woman when she said to the Prophet وسلم, or when he said that you will be most of the people of the hellfire she understood that this wasn't due to injustice from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala no way that Allah would be unjust therefore it must be due to some sin or some act of disobedience that they would commit that would be the cause of them being in the hellfire so she asked what is this reason that causes people to be in the hellfire this shows the fiqh or the understanding of the women they know that if there was some reason that people would be in the hellfire it had to be from their own doing not due to injustice from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so she asked what is that reason so that we may avoid it Number 14, uh, how the women hurried and hastened to the doing of good in giving sadaqah out of hope of Allah's mercy and fear of Allah's punishment. Number 15, uh, that the rightly guided women, those women who are uh, of age, maturity, sane, that they are allowed to give charity from their wealth from their own wealth or property without asking permission from their husband and this is the opinion of the majority of the scholars yani this hadith indicates that those women gave charity from their own wealth 
from their jewelry that was their own property without asking permission from their husbands they gave as they liked and this is an indication that the women are allowed to give charity from their own wealth without asking the permission of their husbands number 16 from this hadith also perhaps we may understand the permissibility of piercing the ears of the women that they were allowed to pierce their ears as some of them took the earrings from the ears to give in charity uh, the last hadith, hadith number 142 the hadith of Umm Atiyah Nusayba Al-Ansariya radiyallahu anha qalat amarana ta'ni nabiyya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam an nukhrija fil eidaini al-awatiqa wa zawat al-khudur wa amra al-hayyada an ya'atazilna musalla al-muslimin and Umm Atiyah radiyallahu anha she said that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam commanded us or we were commanded in, in some of the narrations that we should take out the unmarried women and the virgins girls who are in seclusion in their places in their homes that they should be brought out for the Eid prayers and he commanded the menstruating women who were having menses those who are of, uh, even in the time when they were having their menses their monthly cycle if in that time the Eid came that they were also to come out to the Eid ground but that they should avoid the actual place of prayer yani the place where the Muslims were performing the prayer they should avoid that area but they should come out to the place where the Eid Salat is taking place and in one of the narrations this, this narration is the narration from Imam Muslim although there is a similar, similar report in Al-Bukhari but this particular wording is from Muslim and in another narration that's reported in Al-Bukhari they said she said نُؤْمَرُ we, we were ordered and نَخْرُجَ يَوْمَ الْعِيدِ to come out on the day of Eid حَتَّى نُخْرِجَ الْبِكْرِ مِنْ خِدْرِهَا even the virgin should come out of a place of seclusion وَحَتَّى نُخْرِجَ الْحَيِّذَا and even the one who is in Memphis should go out to the Eid ground فَيُكَبِّرْنَا بِتَكْبِيرِهِمْ and make takbir just as the people are making takbir وَيَدْعُونَ بِدُعَائِهِمْ and supplicate while the people are supplicating يَرْجُونَ بَرَكَةَ ذَلِكَ الْيَوْمِ hoping for the blessings of that day and also seeking the purity or يعني, the elimination of sins from participating in that day inshallah we'll take a moment to listen to the Adhan and try to complete this hadith Uh, the Shaykh says the general meaning of this hadith is that the day of Eid al-Fitr and Eid al-Adha they are the preferred days in which and preferred by the Muslims in which the signs of Islam are manifest and the, يعني, uh, the display of brotherhood and the Muslims gathering together and the unity of the Muslims is, that, is shown openly and all the people in a particular area in a particular country or a particular locality should come together in one place showing their unity and togetherness and يعني, the joining of the hearts of the Muslims and the unity of the voice of the Muslims and the standing together as one for the manifestation and the upliftment of the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the remembrance of Allah and the showing of the displays or the outward manifestations of Islam for this reason on this special day the Prophet ordered the women to come out including Specifically, يعني, he made special instructions that the women should come out, including the young girls, the young, the virgin girls, the women, adult women, and so on, even the women in menses. Young as well as old, all of them should come out on that day, except that the women who have a menses should stay in a place in the musalla, يعني, outside, يعني, a little distance from the actual place where the people are praying, so that they may also witness the good of that day and participate in the dua or supplication of the Muslims on that day and to get the benefit and the blessings of what takes place on the day of the Eid uh, here the Shaykh says that there is a difference of opinion amongst the scholars concerning the ruling of Salat al-Eid yani what is the ruling of Salat al-Eid is it obligatory or what and he mentions three opinions the first opinion is the opinion of Imam Ahmed is the well-known opinion of Imam Ahmed that Salat al-Eid is far kifaya yani the Salat al-Eid is obligatory on some of the Muslims as long as some participate others are free of blame while there is another narration of Imam Ahmed that is Fard al-Ain anyway the first opinion is the opinion of Imam Ahmed that is Fard Kifaya 
and the proof of this they said is that uh, no adhan or ikama has been legislated for Salat Eid therefore since there is no adhan or ikama then every individual Muslim is not, is not required to attend as long as some attend it is sufficient also they use as a proof the hadith of the, the Bedouin who asked the Prophet Sallallahu about how, what is obligatory on me in the day and the night he said five prayers and nothing more than that this is a proof they said that the Eid prayer is not fard ayn yani that is fard kifaya only as long as some of the Muslims participate in it others are free of blame the second opinion is the opinion of Imam Malik and Imam Shafi'i rahimahumullah who said that the Eid Salat is sunnah mu'akkada yani it is a sunnah that the Prophet sallallahu emphasized and never abandoned uh, their proof is the same hadith that is used in the first opinion, the hadith of the Bedouin who mentioned to the Prophet uh, who asked what was obligatory on me and the Prophet five prayers in the day and the night and he said is there anything more than that of prayers that's obligatory on me in the day and the night and the Prophet said لا إلا أن that nothing else is obligatory on you of the daily prayers except that you want to make any extra prayers, voluntary prayers the third opinion is the opinion of Imam Abu Hanifa Rahimahullah and it is also reported as a narration from Imam Ahmed a second opinion of Imam Ahmed and it is the chosen opinion of Shaykh Ibn Taymiyyah that the Salat al-Eid is Fard Ain that is obligatory of every individual from amongst the Muslims this is the opinion of Imam Abu Hanifa and he used as proof for his opinion the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Kawthar chapter 108 verse 2 then you are ordered to pray for your Lord, to your Lord and make a sacrifice and also the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-A'la chapter 87 verses 14 and 15 that the one who has definitely been successful is the one who purifies himself and giving in charity and who mentions the name of his Lord and prayed. He said that success is only for the one who prays and some of the commentators of Quran said that this Salat mentioned in these two ayahs it is Salat al-Eid. Therefore they said based on this that the Salat al-Eid is obligatory on all of the Muslims. And also they had further proof that the command of the Prophet ﷺ that the young as well as the old as well as those who are virgin and those who are menses that all the women were ordered to come out is a proof that if they are ordered to come out then the other Muslims are also Yani, more so obligated to come and another proof that they said is the proof of this is the fact that the Prophet ﷺ ordered the people to pray the Salat Eid on the following day when they didn't come to know that the moon had been sighted until after the time of the prayer was finished and if the people came to know in the afternoon that the moon had been sighted and the time for Eid Salat is finished then the Prophet ﷺ ordered them to make the prayer on the following day which is the proof that the prayer is obligatory because if its time has expired and it's not obligatory no need to perform it on the following day uh, they said that the command in all of these instances is, is indicates obligation therefore it's obligatory to perform the prayer and the last proof that they mention is the fact that the Prophet ﷺ and, his, uh, and the Khulafa Rashidin always performed this prayer and never left it off therefore this is an indication that it was obligatory they explained the hadith of the Bedouin who the Prophet ﷺ told them that there is no other or further prayers obligatory on you other than these five in a day and a night they said that this was in reference to the daily prayers the daily obligatory prayers not those prayers that may uh, have another cause or reason such as the prayers of Eid which are performed specifically as an expression of thankfulness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the special favors that he has given on the completion of Ramadan or the performance of the rites of Hajj or pilgrimage Shaykh Islam ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah is inclined towards the opinion that the Salat al-Eid is obligatory on the Muslims in general and specifically on the women due to the apparent meaning of this hadith that the Prophet ordered the women to come out even those who are on menses and finally the Shaykh closes with five ahkam five rulings from this hadith the first of them is that the Salat al-Eid is obligatory even on the women based on the apparent meaning of the hadith with the condition that they don't go out displaying themselves yani wearing attractive clothing or perfuming themselves based on the prohibition of the women going out yani displaying themselves or perfuming themselves in general and otherwise it's obligatory on the women to go out 
The Shaykh says perhaps it is mustahab, not really obligatory. Perhaps the command in this was as an encouragement for the women to participate in this good. But in any case, yani the apparent meaning of the hadith, the text of the hadith indicates that it's obligatory and Allah knows best. Number two, the obligation of the women in Memphis avoiding the masjid. As the Prophet avoided them, ordered them to avoid the prayer ground in the Eid outside, then how much more so should they avoid entering the actual masjids which, are, which have been built for the purpose of Salah? Number three, uh, that the Musalla Eid, the, the prayer ground outside of the city where the people perform the Eid al Adha and Eid al Fitr prayer, it has the same ruling as the masjid. And that, in, that is indicated by the fact that the Prophet ﷺ told the women who are menses to avoid the actual prayer area. Number four, uh, that the women in menses are not prohibited from ad dua and dhikrullah. That they are not prohibited from the dua of the Muslims on the day of Eid, nor are they per- uh, prohibited from the remembrance of Allah that the Muslims perform on the day of Eid, the words, the chanting of the takbir or otherwise. Uh, and this is a general ruling then, that the woman when she's in menses, she is allowed to supplicate and she is allowed to remember Allah. Number five and last point he says, the virtuous nature or the superiority of Yawm Al-Aid and that it is a time or it is a reason for hope that dua would be accepted and that prayers would be heard by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Yawm Al-Aid is a special occasion and is one of the causes that we hope that our prayers would be answered and would be heard by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika Ashhadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk There are some questions from the sisters But I don't know if we'll be able to answer them Whoever wants to leave to go to prayer may leave I'll attempt to answer these questions if I, if, As long as I don't hear the iqam The greetings like Kullu am wa antum bi khair Eid Mubarak and etc These are the usual practice of the Arab Muslims As a whole in the Middle East Are these acts considered to be innovation? Yani kullu am wa antum bi khair Yani Eid, Eid Mubarak, these are not from the Sunnah, these, are not, these expressions are not from the Sunnah, but the general meaning of them is acceptable and it falls under the ruling of those things, the habits or customs of the Muslim people in any area that's not in conflict with the Sharia is accepted. Otherwise, it is not from the Sunnah to say these things and it is preferable that the person should say what the Prophet ﷺ and his companions say on the day of Eid, تَقَبَّلَ اللَّهِ مِنَّا وَمِنْكَ May Allah accept from us and from you. This is the sunnah and the sunnah should be given preference over the customs of the people. Even if it is allowed in the customs of the people, not being contrary to the sunnah, still the sunnah is preferable uh, over the customs of the people. What if your intention of wishing well to your fellow sisters and brothers is expressing the happiness during these special holidays, would they still commit a sin? What if your intention of wishing well to your fellow now, now if the person says Eid Mubarak and their intention is to express happiness and joy for the Muslims inshallah there is no blame on them there is no sin on them I am only saying that the sunnah is preferable can you please teach us some acceptable greetings which may be done by our Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam jazakallah khair the dua on Yawm Eid is taqabbal Allah minna wa minka subhanakallahumma wa hamdika shalwan la ilaha illa anta staghfirka wa tubalik